You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Rogers Jays Care Celebrity Golf Classic is coming to Calgary on Thursday, August 3rd at the Winston Golf Club. The annual golf tournament will include Blue Jays alumni and other local Calgary sports celebrities in support of Challenger Baseball. Challenger Baseball was specifically designed to empower children, youth, and adults living with physical and or cognitive disabilities. For more information or to donate, please visit jayscare.ca. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to mine for some hockey rumors, please, something. Dennis Bernstein, fourth period, Sirius XM, NHL Radio. But on the line right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, he is the play-by-play voice of the Blue Jays on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We say good morning to Ben Wagner. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, we have to ask you, Ben. Uh, we were a little jarred about your call about Bobachet yesterday. It was a little jarring uh, seeing that injury. I just wanted to ask you, what was <laughs> Caleb Joseph's face like when he saw the Bobachet injury? Because he was not. He was like, oh, no, please, no, please, no. What was his reaction? What was his body language like in the booth? Uh, I think we can all relate. If you would imagine a mother that sees their child get hurt on the ice, <laughs> on the field of play, yeah. it's, it's, that kind of, it's that kind of body language where he became very tense, closed up. The, the elbows were tucked right next to his rib cage. The, the fingers were up on his cheeks. And uh, a lot of concern on the face of Caleb Joseph. And I don't know that for people that don't know, you know, Caleb was part of the 2020 Blue Jays. And anybody associated with the 2020 Blue Jays is very close. You know, that team spent a lot of time together under very, very difficult circumstances, like we all did, certainly. But, you know, the Blue Jays were kind of cast away uh, south of the border and kind of meandered a little bit. And during this meandering, they spent a lot of time in hotels trying to figure out, one, how they would play baseball, two, where they would play baseball. And and they were forced to stay very, very, very close together and in the limited pockets. And Caleb and Bo Bichette became very, very good friends over the course of this time. And that's a relationship that uh, Caleb is the ultimate people person, first and foremost. Uh, but he and Bo are seen to this day talking frequently and talking at length about life, about baseball, about his performances, uh, Caleb's observations. So these are, these are two guys that are really, really close just on a, on a human perspective, let alone just the respect of uh, being competitors and being appreciative of what they are both able to do on the field of play. So this, this was, this was something that hit Caleb, not only professionally, but certainly hit him personally and uh, hearing the natural, the natural reaction from him within that call, where he is in the background saying, "Oh no, oh no," uh, that was you know just that was authentic. That was of utmost concern about a friend. Uh, I I know timing uh, is everything in life, but is the silver lining in this injury? And I don't think there is one at all because the guys had such a fantastic season. It's at least it's prior to the deadline and not post-deadline, Ben? Is that maybe the only positive we can take from this? Um, well, a couple, of, a couple of positives. One, yes, exactly what you said, prior to the deadline. 
two, Boas had a knee injury before. It looked severe. You thought maybe the season was done, and he came back within four or five weeks uh, with a knee sprain. Um, Ultimately, the success of the Blue Jays in this situation with Bo Bichette, who is, I mean, he's a guy that is so valuable on the field of play. He is revered within the game. He's a guy that's going to get MVP votes. Uh, That's the kind of season Bo Bichette is having here. So it's a significant loss for any amount of time, let alone uh, the severity of this injury. I think what's what's going to come down to is the MRI and the scans. Uh, if there is structural damage, the Blue Jays are in a significant situation here because they need to replace somebody that if there is structural damage, we're talking a huge chunk of time. And you need somebody that can be a top-of-the-order bat and produce, let alone the glove, let alone the premier position of being a shortstop on the Toronto Blue Jays and what that entails for any major league team being a shortstop. And that's why I think the rush of urgency to get somebody in there that can not only just be a glove, but you've got to have somebody that can hit. Uh, This certainly magnifies the right-handed power threat situation that the Blue Jays were already trying to address. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, Nelson Cruz a couple of weeks ago, Lane Thomas, Tommy Fan. You know, you want a right-handed power bat somewhere in this lineup. Now you need hits if Bo's going to be down for any amount of time. And, just hearing John Schneider's post-game reaction, um, it sounded like there is a certain level of concern there. And and this morning, with when the test results come back, it's going to be it's going to tell you what the Blue Jays are going to have to do at the trade deadline. And you know, and Tim Anderson with the Chicago White Sox mm-hmm. is certainly somebody that has been familiar with the leadoff spot. He's batted number two with the Chicago White Sox a lot. Uh, he's, you know, a really, really good defender. Um, maybe not as good as he was, but you're going to have to have somebody jump in there and, and fill the void if Bo's going to be down for any significant amount of time. And that, that, that to me, in my mind, is what it boils down to. That now it's a rush of urgency. All, all of this does sound like no matter what, they almost have to make a move, whether it's you know someone who can just come in and fill some time until Bo is able to return to the lineup or someone that needs to come in and have an impact and have an impact for the rest of the season. That being said, if they maybe choose not to, what, what do you think of the group here and, and how they can kind of fill that hole, mostly defensively at shortstop, with Espinal and who else it might be? Uh, I think, you know, if it's going to be a couple of days... It's Santiago Espinal. Um, if it's going to be more than just a couple of days and try to get by, Leo Jimenez down in AAA Buffalo is somebody that you know has been on the shuttle the last couple of years. He's got sneaky pop. He's really good defensively. I mean, really good defensively. So a middle of the middle of the diamond infielder that was over the last two weeks, you know, kind of building momentum as a valuable trade piece. For another organization and organizations that want major league ready talent, maybe not every day, major league ready talent uh, within a system. We had asked and checked in on Leo Jimenez. And this is no, no, this should be really no surprise, right? I mean, he's been showcased. He's been moved around. Um, it's, it's a valuable piece at the upper levels of the, of the minor league system. I don't think Addison Barger is your answer. 
bar, you know, Addison Barger had a big spring training. He's played short. He's moved over at third. He's spelled some time in the outfield. Uh, I don't think that's the guy, you know, that's going to be the answer. I think if Addison Barger comes to the major leagues with the Toronto Blue Jays, he's probably going to stay here. And you don't want to tinker with that. Um, and his performance just hasn't been that consistent down at AAA either. Um, that's why I think, you know, you can cover you can cover for multiple weeks with Leo. Uh, and, and again, I think, you know, given a, given a little bit longer runway, I'd like to see what the bat can do. He's not going to be Boba Shed. Nobody's going to jump in there and be Boba Shed. But I think there are, there are other options internally right now for the Blue Jays beyond Santiago Espinal. And they won't limit, especially where the Blue Jays like to have a lot of versatility on the bench. You know, Espinal can go mm-hmm. play third. He can go over, play short, and second. He can go to the outfield in a pinch if you need him. Uh, they want somebody that will have a little versatility. But this is a different situation, though. You know, you got to have somebody on your major league roster that can be one, uh, shortstop too. You don't want to play a major league game without a backup shortstop either. So that's that's the varying levels of concern around Bo's injury here. We already saw the Jays move out a top ten prospect to bring in uh, Jordan Jordan Hicks. Pardon me. Um, do you think the Jays have assets that they would be willing to part with if they do get caught up in some sort of bidding war for a shortstop or for a bat in the outfield? Well, you, you know they, they lost two of them with Quaffenstein and then Sam Rabrissa. And Sim is a guy that they really, really liked. They they kind of shoved him off to the side after he was so good in spring training, and they're like, "Oh boy, this we better not, you know, have this guy out dominating other other opponents here in spring training because he was he was pretty good." The Blue Jays are very high on him, and, and Ross Atkins for the last couple of years, uh, and Quapenstein got a, had an injury, and that's. I mean, that stuff happens, but, you know, those are two really highly regarded prospects that have already left the system in one trade to get Hicks. So you're spot on. Is there other prospect capital? Absolutely there is. Um, the depth is not there, certainly at the at the upper levels, and I'm talking upper levels like double-A, triple-A. Uh, pitching is not as deep as it was over the last couple of years, but the middle infield kind of utility role and what can be is deep and deep within the lower levels going all the way down to the complex league, going down to a ball in Dunedin and Vancouver. There's, there's a host of prospects there that are certainly inviting and intriguing for other organizations. And I think if we're going to see a, a bigger package put together, that's where the package will begin for the blue Jays to present to somebody else. Um, you know, the Cardinals are a great example. They wanted prospects that were in the upper levels and semi-ready maybe to make a splash in the major leagues. Other teams are completely fine getting a crop of prospects that are in the lower levels to get them in there, develop, and see what they've got and build on the potential or the, the skill set of those individuals. So I think it does It maybe not be as flashy and as sexy as some of the other trades that the Blue Jays have made in years prior. But it is certainly there, and it's it's also certainly there if somebody needs somebody off the major league roster. I I get the sense that pieces that already exist on the major league roster, like a Santiago Espinal, Kevin Biggio, I think is less likely to get moved off the major league roster. But there are certainly guys that are currently Toronto Blue Jays that might be packaged 
and end up somewhere else along with prospects. And and now the level of urgency is at its its highest for the Blue Jays at any time within the last eight years. Ben Wagner's the radio play-by-play voice for the Toronto Blue Jays on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Joining us here in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show Russick and Rose. Um, how much pressure is on Ross Atkins here for the Blue Jays to have a deep run here, Ben? Because I think that's maybe the, the storyline that's flying under the radar because this team has to have a run this year, does it not? There's a lot of expectations on this roster that should be a playoff team and should have a good run in the postseason. Uh, there's certainly a lot of pressure on Ross. Uh, I think the move with Jordan Hicks, the the conversations that they have had over the last three weeks, the fact that you're getting more actual info from Ross Atkins about the situation around the trade deadline uh, is telling to me. I mean, Hmm. (laughs) um, this is a very secretive organization on how they operate. If you see somebody in leadership in baseball operations, you know, they, they talk 20 minutes without saying anything. Um, It's, it's a masterclass in spin a lot of the way that they do things here in the last two public avails with Ross. There's actual substance. I mean, there's meat on the bone about what they want to address. Um, Two weeks ago, Ross specifically said finding a left-handed reliever to complement Tim Meza so they wouldn't have in leverage situations in the middle of the game burn somebody they feel comfortable about using in the eighth and the ninth in Tim Meza. So they go out and they get Genesis Cabrera. Uh, That was like, holy, holy crap. You know, he said this and then they did it. You never see that. Uh, (laughs) So he, he, he mentioned right-handed bat, exploring options, you know, to have a threat either on the bench or somebody that is going to be more consistent of a threat within the lineup. And, again, that's where Teoscar Hernandez, Tommy Pham, Lane Thomas, other names come up, you know. And in, in today's present conversation, I mentioned Tim Anderson out of Chicago, certainly all very viable pieces in conversation with the Blue Jays that are having right now. So, uh, you know, you, you point, you read the tea leaves, you actually take the concrete evidence that has been given to you and the reaction that the Blue Jays front office has made. They know. They certainly know that this is a window that they have presented for themselves as to be competitive, as to make a deep run in the postseason. These are the expectations. Last year, they fell short of that, and some things were exposed. Too easy to pitch to, not enough leverage. Um, they tried to bullpen their way through some scenarios, which you can do in the regular season. You can't do it in the postseason. But Blue Jays' bullpen right now is being manufactured to be a postseason bullpen, and that is power. Swing and miss. Weak contact. Power. Um, and that that's a telling sign that this front office recognizes that it was deficient when it, when it came to put up or shut up. And that the bullpen's where it starts. You know, they're trying to get a little creative now with the six-man rotation, give the guys an extra beat that need it. Alec Manoa, Chris Bassett, Kevin Gosman, certainly guys that pitch better with extra days rest. Uh, another workhorse is Jose Brios. You're asking a lot of him. Uh, he's going to get some breathers in the six-man rotation. These are all really good things for the Blue Jays with Ryu returning tonight to make that start. So all of this points to a – front office that realizes, all right, we've got to do some things different, think some things to get through the next two months of the regular season so we even have a fighting chance when we get to the postseason. Because while successes and failures ultimately will be resulted on the field, it's also a reflection of what the front office does. And, and this year, again, 
the depth concern for having major league ready pitching, and that's where it starts, uh, was not there. You know, you didn't have answers. Andrew Hutchison, Casey Lawrence, uh, Bowden Francis has held his own to his credit. Mm-hmm. He looks like a completely different guy, but the need from a pitching standpoint certainly was depleted and just not ready, you know, to help the Blue Jays when they needed them when guys went down. And um, I, I think that is where the level of urgency, that is where the absolute need for action is going to begin from the baseball operations and, and scouts. And I'm including everybody in this baseball operations and our verbiage today includes the general manager all the way down to the scouting directors and the scouts that are on the field doing uh, the work, trying to pe- put together a package to get this thing complete. So the Blue Jays have a, their best chance, not just a fighting chance, but their best chance to make a run over the next 60 games. Ben, what is a realistic expectation for today's start for Hyunjin Ryu? You know, I asked Hyunjin Ryu that uh, yesterday, and he downplayed the return to the rotation, and I was stunned, honestly. You know, he said it's just another start. He's approaching that. Uh, if you talk to his teammates, it's certainly not another start. They're, they're so happy that the lefty is back. And for Ryu, I think, even though he downplays it, I feel that this is a significant start for Ryu to see if the stuff is as surgical as what we realized it could be in 2020. And at his best, we saw with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, I want to see the action on the pitches as well. Is the feel there for Ryu? He's never going to blow you away with the radar gun. There are certain expectations in terms of velocity that you would like to see. And you want to see him not at 86 and 87 because that's not good. If you see fastballs at 88 and 89 with life that he possesses, that's okay. He can get by with that. But it's the secondary pitches, working with Danny Jansen, that rhythm is it back. Um, For me, five innings would be a success. Six innings, you know, with minimal damage, soft contact, that would be outstanding for Ryu tonight. But, But seeing the pitches, seeing the life on the pitches, and that that's the, the X's and O's stuff. He's a big piece of the, the personalities <laughs> that are in the Blue Jays clubhouse. You know, he's sneaky funny. He's crafty in his, in his wit. Uh, his English is much better than people realize or he'll ever let on that it is. And that's why his jokes carry so much weight. And that, that big personality that he has is so important to the Blue Jays dynamic when he's in the clubhouse. And now he's going to get back in there, and after 14 months of being an absence, it's going to be real. And, um, you know, and let's be honest, for the lefties' concern, he's pitching for a contract. He's pitching for a job next year. His deal expires with the Blue Jays. This is the fourth of four. And if he wants to continue to pitch in the major leagues, uh, he's going to have to have a really, really, really nice run here. And I think it's indicative of, of how he's presented himself, both with the rehab, uh, but also with the body type, you know, he's down like 35 pounds, 40 pounds now. Uh, he looks like a completely different guy. So It's, it's not uh, going to have the CC Sabathia. It's not going to be CC Sabathia opposite, is it? When CC Sabathia <laughs> lost all that weight, Ben, and then he was terrible, and then he had to put it back on to be CC Sabathia again. Uh, you know, uh, the, the repertoire, the body language, and the intimidation factor between Ryu and CC completely <laughs> different. But I know where you're going here. Yeah. I, I know where you're going here. But to me, Ryu, Ryu had problems with extension and finish. And the heftier players that are in the game, you know, have a little bit of drag on their arm. 
they don't have that extension, they don't have that finish, that is paramount for success for Ryu. Ryu, Ryu to me, looks like the best Ryu when he was wearing Dodger blue, and now you just changed the shade a little bit, and now you hope that he's the best Blue Jay that Ryu can be for the Blue Jays down the, down the home stretch here. Mm. Uh, real quick, uh, Buster only tweeting out, uh, Ben, that we'll have an answer on Boba knee around noon Eastern. So that's interesting. Yeah, I I am in the camp just um, you know talking to some people within the organization that that knee was scanned last night um, mm. for for Bo and the the number of results and the number of testing that you can do on the knee. I mean, the, this is the utmost concern for the entire franchise right now. And I said it, I think, on the call last night. You know, the Blue Jays are really concerned about their superstar shortstop. And he is. He's he's a superstar within the game of baseball. He is the most consistent and most effective hitter that the Blue Jays have right now. Um, he's got 144 hits. He tied John Olerud for the franchise record, uh, unfortunately, in the hit that met the demise last night with Bo on the field. He is tied for the home run lead in the clubhouse with with Vladdy, and it took Vladdy playing catch up, you know, over the last 10 days to match Bo's 17 home runs here. So this is a, this is a really, really significant result that we're all kind of holding our breath on. So noon, uh, the noon hour will be very important for a number of different reasons for the Toronto Blue Jays. Ben Wagner is the radio play-by-play, uh, play-by-play voice for the Sportsnet Radio Network for your Toronto Blue Jays. Ben, always a pleasure. Thanks for this. Thank you, George. Thank you, Maddie. You guys be well. Uh, there he is in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Noon Eastern. Should find out within the next 90 minutes or so about Bo Bichette's, uh Hopefully this isn't something long-term. My God, that would be horrendous timing for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, it would be terrible. Like, it, it was one of those things that as soon as you saw him coming around the corner, you're like, no, no good. No, yeah, no. Again, fantasy football, non-contact injury. My goodness. And it, it's one of those guys that you just you can't replace. Mm-hmm. Like... Great, you can go out and grab Tim Anderson or, mm. or whatever, you know, promote from within. There's no 318 hitter out there. You no, can go out and get it. there's yeah. no, there's no bull Who plays? Who get. plays average to below average shortstop? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fair, but by all means, but no, but for bad te- is just. But for a team that that struggled offensively, struggled offensively yep. this year. Yep. That's one of the guys, you know. Yep. Now, now it just falls so much more on on Vladdy to to continue to carry this team, and and he hasn't been the greatest of carriers. And George Springer has been a, a giant yep. disappointment. Varsho, uh, you're getting yeah. Varsho's a huge, huge disappointment. Chapman's cooled off. Chapman hasn't been the same player since April. Whit Merrifield might be your best offensive weapon right now, the way he's going because he's having mm-hmm. a career year. Uh, yeah, bad bad timing uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays uh, with this injury. We'll MVP find out more. MVP Brandon Belt has quieted off. He's been okay though since his slow start. And that's where you go yeah. out and get a Teoscar Hernandez to ha- try and make Teoscar Hernandez to make to make the DH spot a little better because you don't want to keep trotting Belt out there every damn day. You can yeah. have Hernandez in there at DH or have him in left field and then you know put Varsho at DH. But I know he's also a big thing in defense. Uh, this complicates a lot of things, and maybe mm-hmm. if this injury happened, uh, you know, last Monday, 
you can get, oh, we're in ahead of this thing. We can be in on a whole bunch of different names. But now you've got, uh, well, 4 p.m. deadline today. You've got less than a day to really make things happen. Because if this industry, if, if Ben's right, that they scanned this thing last night, and then Schneider's concern is that this is at least a month on the low end, at least yeah. a month that you're going to be without Bo Bichette. You could uh, lose a lot of ground here in a month. You absolutely could. Um, straight ahead, uh, we're going to try to mine for some <laughs> hockey rumors and talk about, I don't know, arbitration. <laughs> we'll try. Dennis uh, Bernstein, our pal, fourth period, Sirius XM, NHL Radio Next. And you got a, you got a jet at what time? 8.45, Matt? Yeah, yeah, I got to get him a little 20 minutes-ish. Okay. Uh, you just You just tip your cap and... Oh, you won't even know. Studio. I'll be gone like a fart in the wind. See ya. Okay. All right. One more segment to go. Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Um, It's August 1st. It's quiet in the NHL. Elliot Friedman, he just had a tweet, Maddie. Um, Travis from the Frederick, cottage. You think so? I assume so. I don't think he's in the Sportsnet studios in downtown Toronto. I call them Travis, Trent Frederick, <laughs> and the blue and the Bruins reach a uh, two uh, times two point three million agreement. Boom, hockey news. Boom, Pow. there you go. They were supposed to go to ARB today. That's good for them. Um, let's try we to mine. We still haven't had that Swayman ruling, have we? No, let's try to mine for some sort of news. Uh, from the fourth period in Sirius XM NHL Radio, one of our favorites on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Broadcast. Holland, we say good morning to Dennis Bernstein. Sir, how are you? Jordan, I know it was going to be a tough appearance with that intro you gave me before the break. It was like, okay, we're going to have this guy on, and maybe we'll try to talk. We could talk about the Barbie movie because I saw it on Sunday. Did you wear pink? For an hour. Oh. No, I walked. <laughs> you walked out? I, I, I walked out. It was wow. so bad. After an hour, I gave it an hour. I was there with my wife. I walked out. I didn't get it. And Did I'm she a pretty stay? liberal guy. Kind of hit. I mean, it was just. Yeah, she paid. Of course she paid. Oh, I mean, did you, okay. Well, that's um, yeah. first of all, that's awesome. Number two, did she stay or did you just walk out? She wanted to leave forty-five minutes in. I said, give oh, it okay. another fifteen. Okay, Unbe- uh, so bad, so bad. Okay, all right. Um, Adnan Verkat on too. He goes, yeah, um, very uh, interesting film. Um, I don't know if I'll see it, uh, but I appreciate that you walked out of a movie. I can't. I di- I have walked out of a movie before. I just don't remember which one it was. It was a Kevin Costner movie. It was so bad. It was back in the day, too. It wasn't Waterworld. It was something else. It was just terrible. I go, I can't sit through this anymore. Anyway, Dennis, okay. Um, good God. Anything, Dennis, on Eric Carlson here? Uh, no, no. Training camp. Who does deals in August? I don't know. I mean, something comes But what's together. the difference I mean, between August and training camp? That's what I don't get. Because everybody's in their cottage, George, like you just mentioned. That's why. It, it just doesn't get dumped. It, mindset is... But, uh, I guess if he gets traded to Canada, I, I guess if he got traded... We're going to have cottages in Carolina, where I still think he should go. Look, I still think it's down to Carolina and Pittsburgh. I don't get the, I don't get the Pittsburgh thing, though. I really don't, unless they... 
you know, they just want to get a lot of guys in their, their mid to late 30s and try to win a championship. So I still think Carolina, but, you know, they didn't sign D'Angelo to that deal. So maybe that's an option. Maybe, George, maybe he starts the season, of all things, in San Jose. Um, would the Penguins even be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender with Eric Carlson on the blue line? No, absolutely not. I, I don't, that's why I don't get it. It's the same goalie who everybody thought was going to leave and is now there for you know, multi-years in, in Jari. I don't think that could – if they get in, have you looked at them in the playoffs? I think they've won one round since they won the Stanley Cup in 2017. Like, they're, they're just not good in the playoffs. So I, I, don't, I don't get it. Do you think he puts – well, look, he's a 100-point player. Maybe not on Pittsburgh. Maybe he's an 80-point player. Would he put them over past the teams in the East? Absolutely not. It might get him in the playoffs – but mm-hmm. I, I don't know when you watch that team play in the playoffs, what, what doesn't happen? They don't play defense and they don't get goaltending. So I don't, and, and look, I get it. Like, Eric Carlson's a better defender than people give him credit for. If you talk to guys like Mike Kelly, you need know, some advanced stats. He was really good defensively, but I don't think so, George, but I, I, don't, I don't know what they're doing over there, to be honest with you, because you're probably going to have to get him at probably $8 million a year in Pittsburgh. So you're going to have to move somebody off the roster. It, 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 it makes way more sense for Carolina because they're way closer. That, my point is, could Carlson put them over? Absolutely they could. But aren't, aren't the Penguins, they have to try to help those three guys out, right? Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. And I get it, like you're in, you're in salary cap hell, but they should be. And if people are upset about it, just look at the three banners they've hung in Pittsburgh with those guys around. Yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty right. much, they, they just have to do it though, right? Dennis, it's just, they're in a unique situation in the league. Like we saw the Blackhawks say goodbye to Kane and, and Taves and, and Keith, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah. those guys stayed in Pittsburgh. They're pretty much, th- this is their situation. They have to try to, to compete or at least show those three guys that they're trying to compete because they really have no other choice because they owe it to those guys thanks to those three rings. Yeah, no, I, and I agree with you. But, but if you look at, look at the defense, right, so who would have to probably go in an Eric Carlson trade out of Pittsburgh? It's, pro- it's not going to be Ryan Graves to just sign him. It's probably Jeff Petrie, mm-hmm. right? So if Jeff Petrie had a decent season, look, he's not a 100-point player, but the guy played 22 minutes on the blue line. He was a plus two for that team. You know, he doesn't have the offensive productivity. Are they that much better like in a playoff series against – Boston or, or Toronto or someone? No, absolutely not. I, 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 does it make them better? Yeah. How can you not argue he's going to make them better? Does it make it better when it really counts in the playoffs? I don't really see it, George, to be totally frank. Well, and the thing here for me is the assets that you would have to give up. I think that there's ways that you right. can show this core that we mean business and we want to try and win as best that you can without giving out a boatload of assets to bring in an aging Eric Carlson. Quality assets, Matt, aren't really that great. If it's Marcus mm. Patterson and Jeff Petrie, and, the, and the prospect pool, as I understand, in Pittsburgh isn't that deep. So it's a first, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to cost you a first round pick. So to, it's, look, I get it because, okay, you got big names, you got superstars on that team, but it's not working. It hasn't worked since you won a cup in 2017. So to double down or triple down with getting a player like that, I, again, I, I just don't see how when, when you watch them in the playoffs, how Eric Carlson will make them better. Maybe it puts them in the play. And again, they got to get in the playoffs. They yeah. were not a playoff team last year, Matt. So I get the improvement. And obviously, you can't not argue that it won't be improved. But to think they're going to go from like a nine seed to like mm-hmm. a one or two seed with that addition, I just don't see it. From a Sharks perspective, I'm wondering what they should maybe try and put more value on? Should it be the assets coming back, like picks and prospects and that type of thing? Mm-hmm. Or should the emphasis be on moving Eric Carlson 
as soon as we can so we can capitalize on this 100-point season in case it doesn't go that way this year and getting this contract off the books because I don't know if you can prioritize both at the same time. Yeah, well, Matt, here's the thing, though. I, I would say that you would prioritize, like, the, uh, you know, the, the cap if the guy was a 50-point player. But he was a hundred point defenseman and he won the he won the you know, he won the Norris trophy. Yeah. So you have to maximize return. Like you're trading the guy at the height of his value, right? You're jammed up because he's got an eleven million dollar cap hit and you have to make a move around that. Yeah, I, I, I and I get your point, right? I, I think the fact that Eric has been public about it and been open about it and been positive about it, not saying, Hey, I'm not love playing here, love living here, but I just wanna go win. I think that kind of helps a little bit to, to maybe hold on to him till maybe through training camp or maybe early in the season to maximize his value. But you have to do both with this play. It's a legitimate question, but because he's the Norris Trophy winner and he's a 100-point defenseman, you have to, yes, I understand to move out the cap space to get other players in place. But even if you did, Matt, to be honest with you, if you moved Eric Carlson out and used that cap space for other players, mm-hmm. is it going to put them much closer to a championship? Mm-hmm. No, this is a major rebuild. When you go back and look at that roster in San Jose, there ain't a lot there. There's a couple of aging guys who have done well, but there's not a lot there. So you have to actually do both of your Mike career. You have to get assets firm. That's it. It's not going to be, you're not going to get the, the same player back. You get value of assets and you do have to be able to create a lot of cap space with Carol Carlson's departure. Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period, Sirius XM NHL radio joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, big show, Russick and Rose, 960, the fan. Uh, are the Bruins going to be a playoff team next year, Dennis? Nope. I got him as a nine seed, George. Like, like, you really think that Pavel Zaka is going to get David Pasternak 62 goals next season? Mm-hmm. I don't. Maybe he gets 40. And then, then and they traded away Morsko, and they traded away Hall, and I get it. He was on the third line. I don't see it. Charlie Coyle and, and Pavel Zaka are your one-two centers, and I like Zaka, and he's, he's really had a great season coming up to Boston from New Jersey where he really underachieved. But those guys are your one-two centers. You're in ninth, you're in ninth place. I still, you know what, the team I love, George, and, and I know people have talked about them. I love Buffalo. I think there's a huge opportunity for Buffalo in the Atlantic Division to, to, to get the top three seed, to be honest with you, because uh, Boston, they're a cusp team at best, George, because unless they go trade for a guy like Mark Shifley, which they still could, like that one-two punch is not good enough in that division and in the conference to think they're a top seed. And I get it. They're a well-coached team. They have, still have the really good defense. They have both goaltenders. But, you know, and, and people, you know, there's a tax to pay, George, for getting uh, Bergeron and Crazy to play the $3.5 million cap hit last year. People forget that. And here's the tax. You've got these two guys up top who are really middle six and bottom six centers playing in the one-two roles right now. I don't see them as a playoff team next season. I think that's going to be a big challenge. They still get to 95, 97 points because of the strength of the coaching and defense. But I don't see him as a playoff team right now, to be totally frank. Well, Dennis, the wheels are turning here in Calgary when Patrice Bergeron announces his retirement. There potentially could be a number one center yep. available via trade. But do the Bruins even have enough pieces to make that deal with the Flames? No, they shot their little last year, George. They, they, that, that, and that's what you did. You know, it's, it's funny. You know, you want your team to go for it. And then when you don't – like, I'll give you an example, George. They don't have a first, second, or third-round pick in the next draft. They don't have a second in 2025. Why are they going to trade for, for a guy like Lindholm? Like, what? I mean, what they, Brandon Carlo. I mean, I could give you the, the usual suspects, yeah. but I, I don't see it. I, and you, you want your GM to go for it, especially when you had a 135-point team. 
You doubled down. You got you made trades at the deadline. It didn't work out, but now here's the result. Like, what assets could you give to break up a team that is certainly going to regress? You're going to break up even further, possibly, and you're going to deal from your strength, which is not up front, which is on the blue line, so it's going to make you a weaker defensive team. It, it would be a challenge for the Bruins to make a trade like that because I don't see the – they don't have the futures that you would need, I assume, to bring back for a guy like Wilhelm. Who's the best team in the Pacific Division? And do you think we see five teams from the Pacific get into the postseason? Uh, the best team are the champs right now. Yeah. Until they're the front thrown. Edmonton second. And, uh, you know, the team here in L.A. getting Dubois and having a full year of Gavrikov. And, mm-hmm. you know, if the kid like Grant Clark from the OHL emerges, they could be in contention. Yeah, it's a really good division. There's, yes, I would say five. And you know, I would include Calgary in that bunch. You know, it's funny. I went and looked at the, the over-under prices for, for point totals next season. You know, the Sabres have the same amount, at least it's the bookies. They're booking huh. them the same amount of points as Minnesota and Seattle. So that would mm. put them probably fifth or sixth in the, in the conference. But yeah, it's going to be a highly competitive division. Seattle, look, they may come back to earth, but they're, they're going to be in the playoff conversation. Um, I'm not sure about Vancouver, but it, it's, uh, it's going to be a highly competitive division because, and granted, you're going to play some teams in the central that are going to be really weak, like Chicago, even Bedard's going to be weak. Nashville, who knows what they're doing. St. Louis is in a rebuild. So it's going to be interesting. But yet in the West, clearly the Pacific should be the better division and it should be a fight for the division title probably going down to the last week dennis how much do the oilers need to address their blue line um they need to address it for the playoffs george so the, for the next 60 games until march i was kidding how i wouldn't do anything then i would look and see and, and do it you know not for nothing like who knows what you're going to get in, in net like is campbell po- possibly going to bounce back is skinner who got exposed against vegas really the guy so I think it's just a combination of the total team defense. He's got to look at. I'm not advocating saying bringing in another player because you did, you know, did pay Skinner some money as well. But yeah, they will have to do that. But again, when you have players like you know Connor and Leon, you have the luxury. Look, you know you're going to win the division. Like you, you know you're going to be in. A, you're going to be in probably in the race for the top spot for the President's Trophy. So he can be patient on that. But do I think that's a blue line that can win a championship? I don't know. Look, their power play was otherworldly in the playoffs, and they still couldn't win a championship, right, with those guys. I thought last year was their best opportunity. I'm not sure it's going to – Connor Brown's not going to really change anything. That's the only move they made, George. So I guess Kenny has the luxury of knowing a team that's a contending team so he could look at the first 40 or 50 games and say, okay, i got to go dress the right side with a more physical, you know, puck-stopping defenseman. I don't think he's going to do it off the bat here, but I think he's going to monitor that throughout the season and see if he has the right mix of defenders uh, to win a championship. Uh, Dennis, talked about this yesterday. I want to get your opinion on it. Uh, so Matt Murray was healthy enough to be activated just in case for the playoffs for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then all of a sudden, whoa, summertime. Oh, he's out long-term injured reserve again. We can't have him on here. We're going to get some cap space relief. Does that have a bit of an odor to it to you? Yeah, of course it does. But nothing's going to change. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The owners are happy with the system. It's been collectively bargained. It's not going to change. I, I, George, I don't know what you do to, like, a value. I, I assume that they would have substantiation for putting him back on LTIR with some medical reports or something to go to the league. I don't know how the league monitors it, to be honest with you. I get it, and people are right, and it does smell fishy, and nothing is going to change. Because, to be frank, the game's in a really good spot right now. You could pick apart some things that maybe need to be improved or whatever. Right. But nothing's going to change. These guys don't change anything, George. It's just, it's just, just like with the Department of Player Safety. Every, you know, every so often there's a you and cry about firing George Powers. 
Nothing's changing. These guys are doing well. The league's doing well. So, yes, it, it's really fishy. I'm interested to see what the opening night roster is and if they even have to explain it or if somebody's going to bring up you know, what was the, the circumstances around it. You can do it in the summertime because it's dead and there's no news going around, so you can slide, slide that out of the news cycle. It's going to be interesting to see how that does develop once we get closer to the regular season. Dennis, I'm perplexed. How does Austin Matthews not have a contract yet? It, it's not like it kicks in this season. It kicks in next year. Yeah. What's the holdup here? The holdup is they're waiting to see what gets done with William Nylander. Because stay with me on this, okay? Um, if, if, if he gets $14 million a year, right, and now they have to trade Nylander because of that, okay, then he's going to look like the bad guy in Toronto. He cost us William Nylander. If he waits and figures out what to do with Nylander and then signs, now the narrative isn't, A, Austin took all the money and there wasn't anything left and he's a selfish player. That's why, that's why they're waiting. And that, you made the point, George, they have the luxury of waiting to get it done because he isn't unrestricted. To the, you know, he, he, he does have a contract for one more season. But here's the flip side of that, waiting what it does. And look, I think that the camp – that Austin Matthews camp has been fantastic. They played this so smart and so well. Austin said, yeah, I want to play here. I want to sign long-term. We said, we want to wait and see what happens with Willie Nealander before we make our demands and get a final deal. But can you imagine going into next season with the All-Star game in Toronto and Austin is in, it's December and Austin's still not signed? Like oh boy. every single day they're going to ask a question about when you're signing the deal. It's going to be a huge distraction. So while it favors Austin and the team right now, to, to do this, the dance, the way they're doing it, it, there's a tax to pay for that. And in the regular season, not to have him sign to extension, that's going to be a zoo in Toronto. That's not going to be something that Austin and his camp wants. Uh, there's no way Nylander comes under, like, $9 million, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, look at the guy. that He, he, he was exceptional last season. I don't, I don't see it. If, if, George, if Troy Terry's asking for $8 million, yeah. then, yes, William Nylander should get yeah. $9 million. But where, but where would he potentially go? Like, do you think the Leafs are going to play this dangerous game? Bradshaw Living's going to be like, you know what? Mm, can't lose these guys for free, but I also need them to potentially win a Stanley Cup. Like, you think William Nylander plays the season out in Toronto? You think that's a real possibility here without a deal? Yeah, George, I, I think there are some times where a player just walks to free agency. That, that could happen. Oh, that just drives me nuts, though, Dennis. You, it's just bad asset yeah. management. Like, I get the well, realization. Okay. Yeah, I would make the trade then. I would trade Nylander to Carolina and get back Brett Pesci, who needs a contract, who's a right defenseman. That's what you would do. That's the trade you would make. But, I, I, but again, this, again, this is not just about dollars and cents. This is about optics. And I, I yeah. just, from what I know, the, the, Matthews Camps like, doesn't want to have the perception that they took all the money and now you don't have it. Now, it does a jam up. George, you know it was going to come to a head anyway. If Austin gets mm-hmm. 14, what's, what's Mitch Martin going to ask for? He's going to ask for 14, right? So at some point, again, the bill came in for all this, for paying these players the way you were. And again, I keep going yeah. back to it. The problem is, is the Tavares contract because he's been solid, solid citizen up there, solid producer, but he's not worth that contract. So there, you can't, George, it's a, it's a heart's cap. There's, a, there's not a lot of room. So it's going to be interesting. Um, could he walk the free agent? I could, but again, a player of that statue not get, getting back any assets from him after one more season—that's a tough ass. That—that's a tough position 
for cheerleading to be in as well. You're right. If Troy Terry's asking for eight million, and we think William Nylander won't go under nine, what's Elias Lindholm worth on the open market? Well, he how old is he? So I, he's I, he eight to nine million. I think is what he is. Right? He's not eleven million. He's not ten million. He's eight to nine million probably at this point, which. I think it's fair. So that's that's the that's the reality of the situation. And do you want? And yeah, I have to have very. You know, it's hard. There's still hard choices to be made in Calgary, and that's the that's the situation with Nylander and with the other players that may or may not go. It, but George, I still think it's a playoff team. I really do. I wouldn't. I, I keep going back mm-hmm. to the, the 17 overtime and shootout losses. If they had better goaltending and, and they had better offense, they're, they're going to be in the mix. I, I would be shocked if they're not in the content, in contention for a playoff spot in the last month of the season. I really do think they're a top-eight team in, in the West and should be. Uh, real quick, haven't asked you about uh, Vladimir Tarasenko signing with the Senators. I, I, I love I love one-year deals, Dennis. There's no such thing as a bad uh, one-year contract. What do you expect from him in Ottawa this year? Uh, he should have a lot of fun. They should score a lot of goals. It's the other end of the ice that they should worry about is the defense. Uh, but they, now they have Chickren. So uh, th- this is a team that look, I like Buffalo better, but Ottawa's right behind them. So Ottawa's got a legit shot to make the playoffs. I think the question is, is, is there going to be a good enough goaltending and defense to keep the puck out of net? It'll be an exciting team. They'll love playing up there, playing with, you know, I assume Josh Norris or Stutzla, a really great ad for them um, at a right price. And, look, if it doesn't work out and they're out of contention, they can easily move that contract to a contender for some assets if they aren't a a playoff contender. But I think they will be this season. Uh, Dennis Bernstein uh, from the fourth period, Sirius XM, NHL Radio. Dennis, uh, we did mine some stuff. I think think we we talked (laughs) enough hockey today. We had some fun. And uh, I've learned that don't go see Barbie. Uh, Thanks for this, pal. No, please. You're the best, George. Right. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Sounds good. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. I love the fact that it's all about optics and Austin Matthews mm-hmm. and the police when it comes to William Nylander. It's like I, I, only in the NHL <laughs> do guys care about that kind of stuff Like and fans. If I'm Austin Matthews, like, I want to make as much money as possible for the, the limited time I do have. Yeah, I don't worry about William Nylander if I'm Austin Matthews. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> uh, sorry, this is what I'm worth. This is what I want. Leverage is a beautiful thing in life. You're damn right it is. And he is one of the, like, the top five players in the league right now. And he should be paid as such. And I get Toronto's going to have a... Have a hell of a of a season here. It's it's similar to the year that Nylander held out, and like they didn't get anything done until December. It feels like that. I mean, obviously Austin will be there, but so with Nylander. Yeah. But it just feels like something's got to break. And if you like Dennis mentioned, you get to December, and you don't have anything figured out with these guys, and you're going into you know all star games there. You're going into into the off season of 2024, and nothing's figured out. Man, that place mm-hmm. is just going to be. And they will figure it out. I know Brad's not going to take this down to the to the final second. He's a smart guy. He's going to get out ahead of this. But again, you know, it is August. You know, a lot of these guys, they are out at the yeah. cabin. They just don't want to work right now. And who's to blame them? It's summertime. Enjoy it. Uh, again, uh, we're all looking forward to training yeah. camp and uh, all this stuff because there's still a lot of unfinished business here in Calgary with the Flames. Uh, what do you got coming up in Mucho Big Show? Uh, we got, uh, we'll replay our little uh, conversation with Adnan Verk ahead of the MLB trade deadline. Obviously, uh, I'll get you updated on the uh, Boba Bichette story as uh, we should find mm-hmm. out some news here in about an hour's time as to uh, the, 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 the severity 
of this injury as oh, 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 if it's uh, if it's anything longer than like a two three week thing. I don't oh, know, boy. man. I don't know. And what do you think? We do some fantasy football tomorrow. Yeah, we could totally get out some fantasy football. Uh, yeah, we had it. We had a guy last week on, uh, but yeah, we can totally get. Who'd uh, you have on last? We week? had Derek Brown from Fantasy Pros. He's he's a wonderful guest. But uh, yeah, we can totally reach out to uh, it's new names for sure. If you got anybody, uh, my man Jeff Erickson. Oh yeah, yes, we have solid. Jeff Erickson. I do have Jeff Erickson's number. Let's we'll reach out to him. Yeah, let's reach out to Jeff Erickson. He's always a great guest. Uh, do some fit because I don't, I have no idea. Like, do you take a wide receiver number one this year? It feels running back. Like I, if you look at the ESPN top 300 PPR, they do. I believe it's Justin Jefferson at number one, uh, followed by McCaffrey and Austin Eckler. Yeah. So it, this might be the year, and I, it, honestly, this could be the year that you run a no running back strategy, where it's like you're just gonna take the bits and pieces and go heavy wide receiver set. Because yep. man, this league's changed. Uh, well, let's talk to Jeff Erickson yes. tomorrow. We'll also talk to our man um, Dave Dickinson. Dave at seven thirty. And we got to play Impossible Flames trivia tomorrow, yes, too, right? Yes, we do, 8.30. Man, we're busy tomorrow. We busy. Um, okay, uh, that's it for us. Check out the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a terrific Tuesday. Bye. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog.